In the name of the creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. Well, it seems fitting that I am here preaching with you on the Sunday after Easter. When BJ and Adri and I were talking about this and scheduling, I said, you know, this is the Sunday that I have preached most in my life. You see, the head pastor will preach Holy Week and those up above in line and Easter and they're tired and often on vacation. And so it's the low one on the totem pole who gets the Sunday after Easter. And it's always the same lectionary. Well, in years past, I have spent time with Thomas and his doubts and beliefs. But this year, as I read through our living scripture, it spoke once again to me in a new way. And I love that about scripture, that we can read it again and again. And God keeps speaking. So this time we will focus on those early verses of the passage and I want us to take a second to get into the headspace of the disciples. They are afraid. They've locked themselves away because they are collective personas non grata with the Jewish religious leaders. They're grief stricken. The person they loved most in the world has died, and they most likely don't grasp why. Sure, Mary Magdalene came to them and told them about seeing the risen Lord, but John's gospel doesn't give us any clue as to how that went over. They feel betrayed. Jesus was their Lord, the one whom just a week ago rode triumphantly into Jerusalem. But he's no longer present to change the world. The people who once supported Jesus and his message have abandoned them. Their world has fallen apart and nothing makes sense anymore. The world they built based on Jesus and his ministry has shattered and the pieces are lying broken at their feet. They are broken. Now, I don't want to brag, but we in the Owens household might be called experts in things breaking. When I was pregnant with Graham, who is now nine, I broke at least one of every type of dish in our house, including an unbreakable bowl and even Pyrex. We've broken dishes, mugs, wine glasses, and condiments, a table, printer, TV, garage door, and multiple pairs of headphones. Unfortunately, most of these things could not be fixed. On the flip side, though, BJ and the kids are also builders, mostly of Legos, but you never know where it could lead. When we moved to Ohio over Christmas break three and a half years ago, 
very little in our life at that time was familiar. The kids hadn't started school, so there was no chance to make friends yet. Our house was a mess as the unpacking continued. So as a way to entertain the kids, BJ started building Lego sets with them. They would make their way up to the third floor and spend an hour sorting through pieces, trying to bring order out of chaos, both literally and figuratively. While we have an impressive fleet of Star Wars ships from this time period, they built so much more than A-wings and AT-ATs. Piece by piece, together with laughter, fights, and inside jokes, they built a safe place in that upper room. This unknown house in a strange land slowly absorbed the life we brought into it. And if you know the Owens, we have a whole lot of life to bring. And they turned that collection of walls and rooms into our home. The process of building Legos brought wholeness during a difficult time. Now the situation the disciples found themselves in was far more painful than moving to a new state. But in their brokenness, Jesus helped them rebuild. Transcending the barrier of locked doors, Jesus stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now let's pause and take a second to examine what Jesus brought in that simple sentence. Peace. It's a word we say frequently, especially in church settings, without really thinking about all that it means. We pass the peace in the service, offering it as a greeting to those we're around. I often use it as a sign-off in my emails. We pray for peace in our world, even while we doubt that it might truly come. The dictionary defines peace as the absence of conflict, but that's only a part of the peace that Jesus brings. Jesus, steeped in the Hebrew language and Jewish tradition, was offering shalom. The Bible Project, which offers videos whose mission it is to help people experience the Bible in a way that is approachable, engaging, and transformative, explains shalom this way. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps or no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. Jesus wasn't just using a liturgically appropriate greeting for his friends. He knew what they'd been going through and what they were feeling and offered them exactly what they needed. Peace, completeness, wholeness. The Bible Project also says true peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness whether it's in our lives, our relationship, 
or our world. Over the course of Jesus' ministry, the disciples had constructed an incredible structure in their minds of the kingdom of God on earth. And even though Legos weren't invented for another 1,900 years, I imagine their kingdom built of hundreds and hundreds of tiny colorful bricks. But then on Good Friday, the structure was dropped to the ground and chunks and shards scattered everywhere. And we all know if Legos are scattered on the ground, it is not safe to walk. So they huddled inside the room where they felt safe. Perhaps, given enough time, they would have been able to reconstruct Jesus' teachings into something they could work with. The structure wouldn't have been the same, but they could have made it work, maybe. Or maybe some of them would have given up entirely. But they didn't have to do it on their own. Jesus came despite the rubble around them, or maybe even because of it, and gave them peace. He rebuilt what was broken, giving it new shape and dimension, because he wasn't going to be physically present with them in the future, and they rejoiced. But Jesus didn't stop there. Again, he offered them peace. And went on to say, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So first, their world is rebuilt and then they they are given the very life force of the earth. So they can become part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of the Holy Spirit. And even today, the Spirit hovers in dark places. We all have places that are broken, needing Christ's peace and the new life of the Holy Spirit. Our world is filled with brokenness, sorrow, hatred, and despair. Too many places all over the globe are crying out for God's healing and the promises of the gospel made real. The earth itself is crying out, waiting for its healing. So then, what do we do in the face of such brokenness? We follow the disciples' example. No, I don't mean hiding ourselves away in a room somewhere, waiting for Jesus to appear and bringing us wholeness and new life. Or wait, maybe part of that is right. I'm not saying to hide yourself away, but turning to Jesus for peace that rebuilds us and the Holy Spirit that sustains us and sends us is the right idea. And while it would be great if he could be physically present with us, just like Jesus was with his disciples, and I'm not saying it can't happen, I just wouldn't recommend putting all of our eggs into the manifestation basket. Instead, it makes sense to show up where Jesus is already present. 
Over the last couple of months, nine Trinity members, including Adrian and myself, have engaged the Inward Journey class through the Second Breath Center. Through our time in this class, we've learned new ways to see the gospel and experience God's presence. Much of what the course focuses on, though, is spiritual practices. One of the sayings of the Second Breath Center is, good outer work comes from good inner work. The inner work of spiritual practices is a key way to encounter the shalom Jesus offers and to build ourselves brick by brick to wholeness in Christ. Because just like Jesus sent the disciples out into the world to help others build wholeness through the transformation of Jesus' message, we too have been given that charge. There are so many different expressions of what that can look like that Trinity is already a part of. But on this Earth Day Sunday, I want to turn our intention to environmental stewardship. What does it mean for us to bring peace to the earth itself? To take part in rebuilding these complex systems that sustain life on our planet? It looks like being intentional about finding bricks to build with. On a large scale, a story that caught my attention is the use of recycled plastic in building roads. India has paved over 60,000 miles of recycled road in the last 20 years. The recycled plastic in the roads actually makes them stronger and more able to resist potholes. Can you imagine Cleveland's roads without potholes and environmentally friendly? On a small scale, it can be as simple as plogging. A new word I learned this week. Plogging is the Swedish trend of picking up waste while running. It comes, the word itself comes from combining jogging with the Swedish term plocka up, which means picking up. Runners, walkers, and hikers take gloves and a plastic bag out with them while they exercise and pick up trash along the way. Well, friends, now it is time for homework. That's right. Our faith life doesn't happen only inside these walls of the cathedral. Your homework, if you're willing to engage it, is first to examine what faith structure is built inside of you. And then to ask, what bricks are still needed? The second step is to find spiritual practices where you meet Jesus and encounter his peace. And finally, and it's okay if it takes a little while to get to this step, find ways to share the peace of Christ, the wholeness of Christ with others in our broken and fearful world. Because just like the disciples, you are called to be bearers of light and builders of hope. Amen.